Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Now, Hey everybody, thanks for joining us live. I'm Trent Russell and this is the Audit Room. You can join us live to ask your questions of our guests, such as John today, every Tuesday at 11 Central Standard Time by connecting with myself and or Tracy Marquart on LinkedIn, where we post the links all over the place. Uh, Again, I am your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. I'm the founder of Green Skies Analytics. We help launch internal audit data teams and internal audit data programs. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tracy Marquart. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to the audit room today. Um, I am all things audit communication, as most of you know. So audit report writing, uh, interviewing, you know, how the brain works and how that affects our communication. Got any questions, presentations on how to do that for your team? Do get in touch and we will help you out there. And I'm super excited today because we have John Tabor in the house and the topic is too quick to judge. Now, John is an internal audit manager at Casey's. And what I really love is he's the host of audit 15 fun podcast. And John, you've published almost 50 podcasts already, which I think is a huge accomplishment. So big pat on the back and a thank you for your audit community for doing that. And I know he hosts uh, and invites uh, thought leaders from the industry, just like we do. But today we're turning the tables and we are interviewing John. So welcome to the audit room, John. Well, it's a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much for the invitation, Tracy and Trent. You honor to be on. You got it. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I know with your other podcast going on that uh, that can be time consuming. So thanks for being with us uh, on the other side of the mic. It's always a little interesting to be on the other side of the mic, isn't it? Yeah, definitely is. Definitely is. Yeah, <laughs> I prefer to be asking the questions, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it can be a little easier. I agree. Yes. Um, but for today, we are talking about not being too quick to judge or maybe judging slowly. Um, from what context relative to audit are we talking about here? Like this is obviously an audit podcast we're talking about not judging. So, um, from, from what audit perspective are we looking at as a certain part in the audit process or where did this kind of topic of yours come from? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say it's, it's from when you're transitioning from field work to reporting, because, you know, when you have the report, you have the, the good information, you have the the filet mignon of what you're going to report, the good stuff, right? So uh, in order to get to a good report, to have quality information, I know that Tracy, you work with a lot on, you know, audit reports, 
you need to have solid foundation, you know, for what you're going to report. So uh, it's not jumping into conclusions uh, on the evidence that you're using on what you're reporting on the final report. So that's the that's the context here is from that transition from field work to reporting. Okay. And what's this the the jumping to conclusions? What's the risk of jumping to conclusions from field work to reporting? Yeah, yeah. I would say there are two things that uh that are detrimental or could be detrimental to the internal audit uh, profession there. Number one, obviously, you it can damage your credibility if you're using evidence that's not you know relevant, that's not uh, useful. Uh, that's definitely something that can hurt your credibility in the long run as a department, right, within your organization. And then the second one, and I have a little story on this one here. Uh, it's it, it can damage your relationships. So in, in my previous life, uh, you know. Uh, different organization that I was working for. I had an, I had an audit. Uh, it was in a different country and the lead for that audit, for that audit, he, he mentioned to me, like, even before we started field work, he's like, I'm going to put my foot on the plane, on the plane. But before I even put, put my foot on the plane, I know that the result for the audit is going to be bad. Mm. I'm like, this guy is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> he has a crystal ball. <laughs> don't even how to get on the plane right yes and i'm like you know at the time i was kind of like just starting my uh you know my my time in the internal audit profession i was like yeah i was really like now how do you know and it, it did turn out to be uh it had bad uh, bad result but to me uh it's like how can you know without even going there and looking at the evidence and talking to the people so to me that you know, that person was obviously jumping to conclusions and right or not that, you know, the result was what that person predicted. But, uh, within that context, it was, uh, I remember we had performed four audits within the same, the same country and all four audits had a bad result. And, um, as the results were coming out, executive management from that country, they were like, okay, okay, guys, you're not welcome anymore. <laughs> it, it, it damages the relationship because you're coming here, you're telling stuff that we already know, you know, like, you know, that, that person mentioned even before I put my foot on the plane. So the VP of audit, uh, for our department here in the U S he mentioned, okay, guys, let's stop doing this. Cause this is nonsense. We're beating the dead horse here. You know, that's, it's just going to damage the relationship. So the transition there was from, instead of going and doing the audit and just finding what's wrong, it's just like trying to help. It was like a more an advisory approach. Mm -hmm. So I think like in the, the, the risk in jumping to conclusions is that it can damage the relationship long-term, you know, cause if something is bad and you already know it without, you know, putting your foot on the plane, like how can you, how can you best help that mm -hmm. department, that business unit? So. I, I, think, you know, relationships are so important. And I know Hal will agree with me. Hal's in our audience again today. And, you know, it's it's all about relationships. And um, I, I do think, though, when I listen to you reflect back on what it, what it is that I do in my training, and we talk about, you know, when you're too quick to judge, you end up missing things. It's like you have blinders on already and you, you can't 
see the other evidence or you you don't think to ask the other questions and and then you're missing a piece of the puzzle so i i want i know none of us are psychologists but i'm wondering why do you think auditors are too quick to judge sometimes well i i think sometimes maybe it may be an ego thing you know that's that's my opinion it could be you know we we want to be right you know we we want to have the right answer uh i think that that, that could be a part of it and uh and you know, it could be just, and you know, forgive me for my uh, for my honesty here. It could be intellectual laziness, you know that that and that to me that's kind of like my pet peeve in people jumping to conclusion. It's like you really have to think through. It's like there are no easy answers out there, you know. Like nobody knows everything. <laughs> no, uh, no. I just yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I just had I had a conversation with Dr. Reiner from Germany, and he mentioned something that kind of stuck to me: objectivity, like knowing the right answer, can only happen in hindsight. You know, nobody knows like tomorrow what's the best best decision that that you know this department, this organization can take. So, yeah, well, we've had Reiner um, here to join us too, and I've worked with Reiner for several years um, over in Europe. So I, I have seen his close lately on objectivity, and do we really need to be that? Ob- you know, or, you know, worry that much about the objectivity. So that's a whole interesting conversation. Um, but I wanted to read Hal's comment. Hal said, isn't it a fine line between having a hypothesis and an expectation versus jumping to a conclusion? It seems like bias drives the answer. And I think that's true. I think we all come with biases that we don't even realize sometimes. And it's quite dangerous for auditors to yes, be overly biased, you know? Yes. And I would, I would agree with Hal's comment. There's a, there's a fine line there. And you know we have to do the best we can with the information that we have right uh we're 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 not gonna have we can't predict the future we don't have that crystal ball so we just have to go through our process it has to be a systematic process systematic approach and we're gonna have our conclusion as long as it's supported by good evidence that's the best we can do right i've got uh two things jumped out one i think tracy wasn't when reiner was on here didn't he say he was done Speaking, like he said, this is the last time I'm going to talk about internal audit. I'm I'm retiring. I'm just focusing on my being a. I'm not going to post anything on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Ryer, Ryer is a prolific um, in social media on link, LinkedIn, and it's always interesting to read what he has and and um, and what his opinions are on the different things. So yeah, I yeah. think that lasts about. The other- I think it lasts about 24 hours. I think that lasts about 24 hours. He's like, I'm done with this. I'm never talking about internal audit ever again. And then like the next day he was posting his uh, Gardner um, article. So anyway, uh, the other thing was, I was curious because I was, I think about, at least from a fraud perspective, they always say, you got to think like a fraudster, right? You know, if you're going to catch a fraudster. So what is like, John, what's the mentality that you go in, into an audit, even kickoff, field work, whatever uh, stage of the process we're talking about. Um, If you don't go in there with that, um, you know, I think fraud's being committed or I think you're doing something wrong. Like what's the mindset that you go in there with? Well, I think like the, the best way that I can describe this, you, you kind of go with a blank page cause you don't know, you know, you, to me, I prefer not to have preconceived notions and just going with that blank page. And then as I find the information, then I'll, I'll fill the page. But yes, I, I think it's a good approach as well to kind of have the thoughts or mindset. That's something that, but you, you don't go with a preconceived notion from the beginning. Right. So you, but, uh, to me that, that would be the best approach. Just going with a blank page, 
and giving an opportunity, you know, to the group that you're auditing to explain what's going on or for you to look at the evidence independently. Uh, but that would be my, my approach would be just go with a blank page. Don't go with preconceived notions. Yeah. I think we swung it to the other side. So there's like the super negative, um, judgment and then like maybe the super positive. If you go in thinking up, oh, everything in here is great and wonderful. Then when you're doing the actual field work, if you see something potentially suspicious or off, um, or something might be an exception, you might go, well, I mean, they've got their sh together. They're fine. So we'll just check the mark and we'll keep going, you know, instead of really questioning it. So I think you do have to go blank page and, and neutral maybe if we're going negative, positive, but, um, you've mentioned evidence. Sweetie. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Just reading house comments. You know, I think this may be a bad idea versus I know this will be a bad audit, a bad audit. And um, doesn't a preconceived notion influence audit planning? I mean, I would ideally hope that, you know, you're taking clues from the industry, you're taking clues from the business when you're doing your risk-based planning, and then you do all your pre-work before you get on site. And so then you, you kind of have an idea of where you need to go deeper, but you've got to be open to everything else as well um, as you ask the questions with your spidey sense, you know? It, it, it can affect planning, but I think, uh, a, you know, a more mature auditor would recognize that, would recognize that it is affecting their judgment. Yeah. Appreciate that, Hal. Um, but John, you've been talking evidence. You've mentioned evidence a couple of times and you mentioned off air, uh, the federal rules of evidence. For those that aren't familiar, can you kind of describe what that is and what we can learn from those? How can we how can we apply those? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know the federal rules of evidence in detail, but there's one aspect of it that I kind of want to point out to the internal audit community. So, what are the federal rules of evidence? It's kind of like the framework of you know how it determines what evidence is admissible in the court of law. You know, for civil for civil and court uh, and criminal cases, right? So, what's admissible? And they explicitly say out uh, say that uh, hearsay is not something that's usually admissible. And to me, the takeaway there for the internal audit profession is, you know, a lot of times when we're auditing, we're going based off of what management's saying, what someone said, oh, this person, this VP said that, this director said that, instead of going there and trying to validate the information. So to me, what we can learn is that and, and I will, I'll refer to another podcast episode that I had, I had uh, Dan McCrun, who is the uh, investigative journalist for the Financial Times. And I asked him, I had a, I did an episode with him on Wirecard and I asked him, why do you think, you know, auditors did not see what was going on? What was, what was the reason? And one of the things he had access to their Slack message, to messages from the Wirecard executives and auditors and so forth. And he said, I was reading the message and, you know, if, if management would say the table is green or the table is black, auditors would just take their word for it. They wouldn't go there and try to verify the information. So that, to me, that's what I, I think we can learn from the, the hearsay aspect of the federal rules of evidence. I would most of the time, uh, not make it a reliable type of evidence. There are some exceptions though. I'm curious, what, what, what are the exceptions? I got a feeling somebody was like, well, what are the exceptions, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say the exception is if it's something that uh, you can validate, you can cross-reference if it's coming from more than one source. You know, it's not just one person's opinion. 
Uh, if there's more than maybe two or three people who are saying the same thing and you can actually uh, validate that information, then that's definitely something that I would take into consideration. Okay. Salon. Uh, and real quick, just because how through in the chat, this is Dan McCrum, author of Money Men. Do you know? John? Yes, that is correct. Yes, and he was the executive producer of a Netflix documentary that came out on Wirecard. So, very interesting. Uh, and I and I love to get the opinion from people who are not in audit on why audit, you know, why some audits fail. And I, I think he, he was spot on. Just sometimes auditors, they just rely so much on the information that they're getting without further questioning, without further validating. Yeah. And they... Congrats somewhat fortunate thing about Wirecard and even FTX <clears throat> for us anyway is get a lot of podcast content right so <laughs> <laughs> absolutely unfortunate for those that uh it happened to but it works out for us so um again with evidence you, uh off air we we're talking about the three c's of evidence is this like a checklist that you go through relative to like when you're obtaining evidence what are these three c's how can we apply the, the three, three c's that's a to that's another story and it's a non-audit story, but it, it, it relates, you know, kind of I mentioned the federal rules of evidence. So it was actually an arbitration hearing that I had and I represented myself. So kind of interesting because, you know, I'm an auditor. I'm like, okay, I know I can explain myself and I'll do a good job and I'll have the information. So I created this timeline, perfect of events. And I presented the information to the, uh, to the, the people who were involved in, in that hearing. Um, and it took me an hour to present the information. I was very, very detailed. And then the other side presented their information in 20 minutes. And about an hour later, we were done with the hearing. You know, they rule in the other person's favor. And at the bottom of their decision, they put the three C's. That's where the three C's come from. The information has to be complete, which my information was complete, has to be convincing. I. I thought my information was convincing, but it has to be concise. Hmm. My information was not concise. <laughs> I had too much. I I just lowered them with details, and you know, kind of related. We we mentioned here at the beginning of the of the episode that you know this is field work to reporting, and I know Tracy, you're gonna agree with me here that you know you have to be concise. You don't have you to bore people with details. <laughs> but, but you, you, and also it has to be complete, of course. And everyone, you know, always asks me, well, how much should I include in a finding? I'm like, just enough to be persuasive of the risk and the recommendations, right? The rest doesn't have to be there. It can be in your working papers, whatever it is. Uh, but conciseness is key to making sure that everyone understands your messaging. There's just no question. Yeah, absolutely. Decision makers, they don't have time. They don't have, you know, extra time to read your five page report or to have an hour long conversation with you. So, uh, let me ask you, if you had to go to that hearing tomorrow, what would you do differently? I definitely would just get to the point. <laughs> I, I would not have created that timeline, which I thought was an excellent idea. Uh, you know, when I, when I had the idea, I was like, this is awesome. I, I'm an auditor. I know how to explain things. I know how we got from A to Z. We don't need the A to Z. We can, if if the point that we're making is just make the point that you're trying to make and have convincing information and complete information there. You don't need all of it. So I'll definitely, 
it's beautiful because I when I when I teach, I always talk about presenting information, present the what and the why, right? People need to know what the point is and they need to know why it's important. And all the how and the you know the when and all those things, they are secondary or not important at all, depending on the context in which you're working. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and the, depending on the person that you're talking to, you know, yeah. maybe if it's a higher level executive, it's not important Crum. how, yeah, yeah. But maybe if it's, you know, a VP of director, maybe they want to know the reason or the, so yes, I, I would agree with that. We had um, Leah Weekholter on, and I can't remember if it was on this one or uh, some other time I talked to her, but asked her about, she's a forensic, she runs a forensic accounting firm and asked her about audit's role, like audit finds fraud, what should their role be relative to like bringing in a forensic accountant? And she was like, look, auditors are fantastic at like getting all the um, support, getting all the documentation, examining the hell out of it and doing all that. And she was like, but when it comes to actually presenting it, they always want or tend to, this is how I did everything. This is why it's important, you know? And it's just like a bunch of how, and she's like, nobody cares. Like we don't really need that. Um, and so that was her, but and then she was like, she, she came back to it and she's like, but audit's great. Audit's cool. Um, she has a little bit of an audit background. So, um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, so we're talking about clear, well, we complete convincing and con concise and especially in, um, audit reports. And this is kind of a long segue, but, uh, John and I are both in this WhatsApp group. <clears throat> um, it's an internal audit WhatsApp group. It's, uh, globally there's, I don't know, four almost 500 people in it a lot of really good conversation um and so we will uh, i'll try to get a link and stick that in the show notes for people to join but i think it's about to max out i think we're gonna have to create another one or somebody's gonna have to create another one anyway um in that group recently as recent as i think late last week maybe it might have even been saturday morning someone said hey is a one-page audit report is that even possible um, and somebody took theirs from 15 down to three and then shared like the template of those three. It was a, in a PowerPoint deck and said, I, I cannot get this thing down to the one page. What do you guys suggest? And, um, it seemed like to me, I would take those three pages, take it to whoever the given stakeholder is of that and go, Hey, there's three pages. Which one of these do you need? And then just Which go, yep. pieces of information from these three pages do you need? Yeah. And one of them was a supporting, this is the methodology. And I was like, I don't know, somebody might care about that, but I don't think so. Um, so anyway, I say all that to say, uh, as we were talking about being complete, convincing, and concise, and I'm being very um, not concise right now <laughs> to this question. John, you're in that group. I know I've seen you be pretty active in that group also. What what's like, Is there a given takeaway, something you've learned from that WhatsApp group? Oh yeah, I I think great conversation. Yeah, and I remembered the the question, and um, I personally here uh, where uh, at Casey's we we gotten our report down from used to be five pages or longer. We're we're down to two or three now, so we're still working. You know, the one page report is it, it's 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 harder to achieve than, <laughs> but we're we're working towards it. And yeah, I, I think just great conversation there. I think there's a lot of I actually, Trent, I have more questions than answers there. <laughs> you know, I want to ask more stuff than I want to <laughs> provide uh, answers to. So, yeah, but that, the, it's definitely 
definitely very useful. And I, w- I would encourage people to join. And I appreciate that you're, you're going to share the link here in the episode notes, because I think uh, auditors need to have that peer discussion, right? Uh, people in different, maybe the same industry, people in different industries, different countries, right? Mm-hmm. We can all learn from each other. Yeah. It's a super diverse group and, and active. Uh, so it's hosted basically out of Australia. That's where uh, it, towards that time zone is where the majority of the group reside. So you will, John, you probably do too. I Like every morning I wake up and I have like 30 notifications from that WhatsApp group where people have gone back and forth. So it's a, it's a very, it's a really, really good resource actually. But um, anyway, uh, last thing to kind of start wrapping this up. Uh, we had talked about the best sources to get evidence. What are those sources? What did you mean by that, John? Yeah, I have a, another quick story here for the listeners. So uh, this is also previous life, uh, you know, uh, former company. So we, we used to do a lot of audits outside of the U.S. So this this was an audit that we did in South America. We visited, uh, you know, the, the organization there, the, the business. And uh, I was checking uh, vendor invoices. And I remember... We got this beautiful spreadsheet, like with all the rainbow colors and all the tick marks. And I'm like, okay, you know, it looks beautiful, but I really want to go a little bit beyond the numbers here. And, you know, I, I asked and the and management agree uh, to me, actually meet with the vendor uh, to, to, to like, you know, explain some of the charges that were there that didn't make sense. So we, uh, we visited the vendor I had a conversation with an employee and I was kind of going through like line by line, you know, like trying to reconcile this line, reconcile to the contract, this line, there's a text. And there's like this one line that just said like expenses. And I asked the guy, you know, expenses, what, you know, what's, what's this all about? And the guy looked at me and I will never forget this because it's, it's one of those twilight zone moments in your audit career. The guy looked at me and he said, oh, I can't put bribe in there. And I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, you know, trying to keep a straight face. I'm like, okay, okay, tell me more, tell me more. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, long story short, you know, I I love talking to vendors. I love, you know, having conversation with vendors. And the reason for that is because sometimes, not all the time, vendors can be un- have unfiltered information, you know, going back to management and how... Uh, that information may not be as reliable because it's all filtered, right? But depending on the person that you talk to, because I'm not going to say that all vendors are going to get really good information, but depending on the person that you talk to, you can get unfiltered information that in that specific case was very useful. Uh, you know, obviously it, it turned into something that was outside of my control. We went to the legal department and so forth. So, uh, but yeah, vendors, I would say, I would encourage my, the takeaway here for auditors would be to consider using, uh, different sources of information. And I would highly encourage people to just, you know, can you talk to your vendor like by phone in person, that would be even better. I mean, it sounds like you're telling everyone just like, don't stay in the box. Think outside the box, uh, box and ask questions that, that they do come to mind. Don't just let them slide, like actually dig in there and ask the questions. Yes. And thank you for mentioning that, Tracy, because I would add, you know, don't stay inside the box. Don't stay in the office. <laughs> Go out there. 
<laughs> go out there. There's a world out there. Can you visit the vendor? Why not? You know, if you have a clause, they can audit the vendor, you know, from time to time that may be worth doing. So yeah. don't, it, good stuff can come out of it. So listen, I know we're coming to the end of our time, but I wanted to ask you about your podcast. Can you tell everybody about your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So Audit 15 Fun, we started, or I started <laughs> uh, last year, and uh, I was told by some people in the podcast uh, business that if you can make it past three months, you, you're going to you gotta be okay. And I, and I made past three months, so I've been doing it for a little over a year now. Uh, recently just uh, created a new segment for the Audit 15 Fun podcast called the Audit Duel, which is a discussion between uh, two uh, thought leaders in the audit profession. I just had the pleasure to have as my guests, Dr. Reiner and Doug Anderson, which was a great discussion on objectivity and independence. I have a few more uh, things lined up here. You know, I'm not going to, uh, well, I, I prefer not to say it until it's done. Yeah. <laughs> but that's great. I think that's 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 something that no one else is doing at the moment is that duo concept. So, you know, congrats on that. And I'm looking forward to uh, listening to the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I thank you guys for for the invite. It's been a been a pleasure to to participate here and, you know, share some of my experience with the audit profession. Well, I'd say that is uh, that completes the episode. I would say John was very convincing uh, in the stories that he told. And to keep this concise, we have one minute. I'll throw it to Tracy. Tracy, throw it to John to take us out and we'll wrap it up. Super. Thanks so much, John, for being here and joining us and sharing your wisdom on this topic. And also to our audience for being here and joining us. Uh, a plug on my side, we just launched, launched our Christmas uh, special for a serious business game. So if you're interested in that, uh, please check out my LinkedIn profile and you'll see uh, the usual links there, but we've got five learning paths, over 100 CPEs, and these licenses are valid through November 30th, 2023. So we'd love to have you investigate that. And um, I'll hand it to you, um, John, do you want to add a last word? Yeah, I just really appreciate the invite. Uh, I, you know, I, I know uh, Trent had him on my podcast. Tracy, you're gonna be a gonna be a guest. <laughs> I would love to talk about audit reports with you. Yeah. So, uh, really, really appreciate the invite and just you know thank you for what all that you guys are doing. And for those here in the U.S., we have uh, Thanksgiving coming up. So you know, safe holidays, safe traveling for anyone who's traveling, and for those outside of you know the U.S. Hopefully everybody's enjoying the World Cup. I'm a soccer fan, so I am myself. <laughs> yes, people, you're in Canada, right, Tracy? Yeah, I'm. I'm in Canada. I think Canada plays Belgium early next week. I watched the opening game. I missed yesterday. I didn't get my time zones right, but I have. I've got the subscription for a month so that I can watch the games. There you go. Yes, go Canada. Yeah, awesome. And Germany. Big. I'm a big Germany fan. So. Okay. Okay. John, you. I think you speak Portuguese. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, from I'm from Brazil, Brazil so okay. yeah, I'm Brazil all the way. All right. Nice. All right. Well, with that, we'll say uh, go Brazil and Germany and uh, Canada and I guess the Salsa. Though I don't really care. U.S. Come on, Chase. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, all right, with that then, good luck to all the teams, we'll say, and we'll close it out. Mm -hmm.